Right, welcome to uh, the the Bear Tiger Pod, episode two. James Slate, JSNFT. I'm going to keep with that on Twitter if you need, need to find him. Really, really chuffed to uh, get invited back after episode one. Yeah, some reasonably good feedback so far from myself. And uh, we've got a new guest on the on our show. He's um, taken the Twitter world by storm so far, and is what you five days in to the social media and eight followers. Yeah, by T- storm. TBTC Nige, Big Nige. TBTC Big Nige. Look him up. So, um, already undergone his first Twitter ban. Yeah, I'm back on now. <laughs> Nige is one of our Bear Tiger founders, and uh, so he's decided to get involved in the, in the social media world, starting with Twitter. And um, he's got a very entertaining account, which I've been trying to, trying to pump your account as much as I can. Thank you. And um, yeah, you've already had a little ban. Ban, yeah, I was making some jokes about Liv and Patrick Reed, and they didn't like that. So. <laughs> they didn't like it. <laughs> the, the, Saudis, the Saudis are everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, so yeah, it must be a record that I'm really, I'm very, very, very impressed. I've never actually, I've never actually spoken to somebody who's been banned on Twitter. So and he's done it in five days. So yeah, definitely worth a, a follow. What is the actual handle? Is it? I think it is at TBTC Big Night, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's oh, there. We'll check it. We'll check it out, and then we'll, we'll, we'll confirm. definitely make sure it gets a full. I appreciate the, uh, the yeah. shout out and, and the TV invite. TC, big nudge. Although I know I'm only invited here because your regular guests are all doing interesting things today on the golf yeah, course. But if you put in a good show, they're not going to be. They're, they're going to be under pressure. They're yeah. Under pressure. Well, so they don't um, perform under pressure, those boys. Just uh, <laughs> just tell us a little bit about yourself, Nudge. So you're uh, a golfer, avid golfer, been playing for what 30, 35 years, and struggling with it really. The last 10 have been a bit of a barren patch. As you all are. Yeah. <laughs> Handicap? 12.2. 12.2. And uh, what's a, a very brief roundup of your, your golf game? Others have quoted it as being PGA Tour at the driver end and then Sunshine Tour at the wedge end. <laughs> okay, yeah, that's pretty good. Okay, that's a, well, hopefully we'll see it at some point on film uh, on our YouTube channel. Yeah, that's um, the only reason I really got involved because I was promised free chipping lessons as, <laughs> as long as you could video it and have your laughs. That would be a mega series, that. <laughs> It'll be a long series. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's uh, let's get into the, the fat of it. Let's uh, do a roundup of this week's golf. Let's start out with PGA Tour. I did the, uh, I was doing some of the comms for the PGA Tour for, for Sky and Discovery this week and needless to say, I'm not going to, around the bush it was a bit slow we didn't have any of the marquee players playing they are all in other places there's a bunch of them have gone to that jp mcmanage pro-am and um and, and prepping for the for the scottish open and the open championship so but it does make a big opportunity for some of the smaller players newer players on tour to make a name for themselves still there's lots of money to be had and there's FedEx cut points and and there's momentum and confidence to be had james did you pick up any of the golf you know, I um, did my research, followed all uh, all three tours now. The the ladies had a week off after the major. So, yeah, I mean, I think JT Poston went wire to wire, right? And he looked pretty solid. But then I did think that the field in the back nine made it a bit easier for them. They all started on the front nine to put him under the gun a little bit. Uh, and then it just looked like he kind of played par golf and people dropped away. But um, nonetheless, a win is a win. And... Uh, I believe our very own Callum Tarrant from the UK, who uh, Nigel and uh, and gang proudly sponsor, had a pretty good run this week. And a top 10 is no doubt going to get him into next week and help with him get towards the 125, which I guess they'll start thinking about now, right? Uh, because like you just said, um, an opportunity for some players who are less profile, but they'll start thinking about the 125 at the end of the season, won't they now? Yeah, it's coming into that time of the year now, working towards those uh, the Tour Championships, which is going to culminate at Eastlake. But yeah, it was, um, you know, he actually, so Poston was, he opened up with a 62, which amazingly enough is the second week in a row that he's opened up with a 62, huh. which is pretty impressive. We're very damn impressive. The first week he then followed that with a 70, the typical adage of really low first round, not being able to follow it up and turn it on the second round. He's obviously had a few days to think about that, decided to shoot at 62 again to have another go. And he kind of walked out, worked out the formula be interesting to know what he went with but he seemed like he just stayed on the front foot pressed on through rounds two and three but the course is quite easy you know no wind it was playing really soft the greens dried out a little bit in the last round and then as you said really every time someone got close to him he would make a birdie they would then drop away so they never really pressured him I think if you would have seen some slightly bigger names they would have 
you know, I kind of steamrolled it a little bit. But you get to 14, don't you? The um, risk and reward drivable par four. And I think Grio made bogey, didn't he? Stallings parred it. I don't think anyone in the field that could have really poured it on had that kind of Morikawa moment, you know, where they stiff it and like really put him under the gun. Um, and then after that, it just got a bit flat. And, and, and I mean, obviously, you'd done enough, hadn't he, the first three days to, for, to, to have a bit of a buffer and, and get the whim. Yeah, he's he just got, just every time they got to be within one, it just went his way. Yeah. Someone ran and dropped a shot. Someone didn't quite have enough. Griot did play some good, really good golf, actually. But the guys behind him, um, Callum Tarrant also played some good golf. But it seemed to, when it came down to it, they kind of fell short on the greens. Yeah, Stallings, McCarthy, none of them made anything, yeah. right? And I see his, his wife wanted her five minutes to fade. She, she's on the green before. It's like Kevin nailed it right onto the green. She's like, she's like <laughs> three paces onto the green. She's picking his ball up. Yeah. Oh. The um, ball was still rolling, wasn't oh, it? Oh, done well, done well. Go away, go away. Okay. <laughs> Get out of shot. It was quite funny. Yeah, they're getting married in a, in a couple of months. So she's probably thinking about upgrading the flowers and all that sort of stuff. She sort of Diamante wedding dress after his uh, million dollar prize chair. I think they're going to revisit a few of those plans that they've made. So yeah, that was it. JT Poston, uh, winner for the second time. Uh, well done to him and hopefully he takes out and presses on. Really good to see Callum Tarrant up there getting a top 10, you know, pressing on towards the end of the season. Hopefully he can continue that form now and and get that card. You know, he was on the PJ Tour of China three years ago. Mm. Won that tour comfortably, levelled up to the Corn Ferry Tour, spent a couple of years there, now on the PGA Tour and competing for titles. So his game looks really, really good. Fantastic tee to green game. James is not happy with his, his putting stroke. I didn't really see it. I was sitting there watching it and he said he's got a bit of a fade putting stroke. I've not seen one of those before. <laughs> it just um he, he reminded me a little bit, and this is probably a compliment really, of a of an English Zalatoris. He just got to five or six feet and just looked like it was notably the weakest part of his game. But I thought T to Green, like you said, he just striped it. Um, really, really composed, very competent, but he just got to five or six feet. And like but you just alluded to, nothing dropped for anyone on the backside, did it? And he had a couple of free whacks in the last three holes. It probably cost him a few dollars. Yeah, but still a good finish from him. Then moving on to the, the DP Tour in Ireland. Normally a really big week. And, uh, Ireland always produces good crowds, you know, very much golfing country. And I mean, painfully to say, James did actually call the winner. Did he? Yeah. It was it, a solid result. I mean, it was what, five under, four under, four under, six under or something. It was four rounds. Uh, well, he's 20 under yeah. for um, for four rounds, yeah. I've been following Adrian Moronk for a while now. Very steady. Yeah, awesome game. He's struggling a bit on the front side. The two two par fives are both very... I mean, he's, he's a big hitter, but they're both very much in range, both down the wind. Hit it in the long rough on both par fives. Ended up getting up and down from 70 yards for par on both of them. But it's holding on, and he putted great at... Slightly bizarre alternative of the claw grip. You know, I just, I can. Here you go. James is making his off, hand movements off, again. Yeah, I'm doing my wiggle <laughs> flap. Yeah, and then he, I thought he showed a proper touch of class in the last hour of play. You know, four under for the last four holes. Birdie, birdie, eagle par finish. Yeah. Um, and the eagle on the 17th was just proper money. So, yeah, talk us through that one. What do you do there? Well, it's uh, par five. Just rips one down there. And nukes it onto the green, cans apart, and 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 like he he walks around like a winner, bearing in mind he's had quite a lot of near misses, and I, I thought that was the phase where you'd look at someone and think they're probably going to be a little bit nervous. There's a big check, obviously the Irish Open, and uh, he just yeah he, just, he had swag about him. He walked like he walked like a multiple multiple time winner to be fair, um, and I think he's had a number of seconds or thirds, isn't he? Last year he got close a lot. And I think he looks like a really, really, really good player, Moronk. Like he just, he just has everything in his game. Yeah, and, and also good to see um, Padre Harrington playing well again. You know, just off the back of his US Senior Open win, and he was racking up 180 odd ball speed <laughs> good, as that? a senior. I mean, that is just uh, that is just something else. That is, the, and, but it's been a really interesting journey that he's gone through to um, keep his speed up. You know, we, we all know he, he he's happy to go out and test some slightly peculiar ways of getting better at golf mm. which is mental I think or it seems mental because he won three majors doing something a certain way and he's probably tried everything in golf every training aid since then um, but one of the processes he does to keep his speed up which I find really interesting is every morning even before a round he will spend half an hour with his driver just hitting it as hard as he possibly can and 
And the guys are out there saying it's like a it's like a red arrow show. The ball's going literally left of the range, right of the range, some straight all over the place. But it's just it's just literally hit it as hard as you can for half an hour, you know, and work up a full sweat before he goes just out. Trying to warm the muscles up. What's wrong with that strategy? <laughs> Did you get that from you, Nudge? Yeah. yeah, fifty drivers on the driving range. That's all you need to do. You don't yeah. do that anymore, though. You just chip now. Always fun. That's what I find amazing. I want to give golf lessons to some people, and I've got one guy. Sometimes he just turns up at the range with his driver, yeah. straight out. He's like literally in his shirt. He's been at the office all day, and he comes down to the range just with his driver. And I, like, I am singing here. <laughs> <laughs> the only clip oh. I saw of Patrick Harrington this weekend was him and his caddy walking down the fairway eating an ice cream with ninety nine flakes. And I'm like, awesome. Used to be a banana, didn't it? Now yeah. he's on his ninety nine flakes. <laughs> Get maybe your sugar rush. Maybe, maybe that's, that's the, the, new, the new speed. But he's uh, so relaxed. You know, he's been, done yeah. it. He's been there, yeah. and he's just you know having a laugh. Unfortunately, if that was a play, I'd be about 200 mile an hour ball speed. So I can't can confess that that's not the uh, hidden secret. Well, you might find that that mysterious fade you're searching for. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Probably in the barber shop. Yeah, they like skin fade. Said if he's about 180 ball speed, right on on the seniors tour, would he be getting about 50 yard? Would he be taking about 50 yards out the field? Yes. Some of the players, yeah, because you've got to think some of the senior tour players will probably be around 150. 155 ball speed. Uh, some of the fast ones be like mid 160s, 170, maybe on a few of them. So if you think he's 30 miles per hour ball speed faster the than field. the other guys, and there's normally a roughly 1.5 ish yards per ball per, per mile per hour carry, yeah, um, ball speed. I mean that's just uh, it's just it's complete next level really. But we do see it's quite often the guys that as they turn 50, they kind of win a major or do well because they're kind of off the back of that mentality of competing against guys that are younger. And which goes back to the, the old adage of just playing golf with guys that are better than you and it pushes you along. And then all of a sudden, when you set down a level, it just seems so much easier. Phil said that, didn't he? When he, um, when he was doing all of his speed training, he was coming towards the senior tour. And one of the reasons was because they, they make the fairways wider and the carries are less efficient so you can get way more out of it if you've got like way more in the bank and he won a lot really quickly didn't he on the seniors tour yeah, with did, that yeah. sort of strategy he was just hitting these massive nukes yeah yeah it is um it must be quite good fun for those guys to do it i mean i get it with, with my, my dad comes and plays with myself on one of my other pals who's a pro it always you know kind of come out and you know he's like a 10 handicap and he'll struggle a bit and you know be a bit annoyed of his game and then almost to a t he'll like within three days he'll text me saying oh, I've just had 40 points for the boys the boys can't can't believe how well I'm hit, hitting it because I think you know you get in that mindset of you just watch someone else do it and you at the time your expectations far exceed what you what you can do but then you just you just take little pieces from it and then you go and play with people who are your kind of standard and you're just not intimidated and you see the game differently so I'm sure that's what those boys are, uh, are getting out of that live tour live tour what we saying there I mean I mean it, I think it was quite a Difficult week for the PGA Tour. If you're comparing the PGA Tour to the Live Tour, just because of the strength of field and the PGA Tour, and the Live Tour made had some new announcements. The first one in in the states, which made a bit of a difference. Yeah, definitely. Um, we saw it looked like on the socials that it looked like a fantastic event, and the crowds were enjoying it. There were a few. I don't know if you saw, there were a few more edgy comments being shouted at the players, which I think we didn't get a Centurion. No, but maybe think- slightly different crowds. You know, a bit more beer involved, possibly. But that's. I mean, if you go historically back through events, that kind of that that kind of crowd in the states has had that reputation over Europe, hasn't it? You know, you go way back all the way to Monty. Yeah, yeah, a lot more vocal out there. Yeah, but um, if you think about things on trend and like people moving in the right direction, just taking all the legalities and and all the the off course conversations out of it, you look at their leaderboard and the content of the players that were there in the backside of the final day, like competing you'd probably say that that was the most attractive event of the week, right? Yeah, obviously you had always, always good players there. I did. There was a bit, you know, I saw a couple of videos of Greg Norman pouring beer into <laughs> fans' mouths and stuff yeah. from the balcony. It just, it seemed to be taking a slightly different kind of um, journey to the PGA Tour, doesn't it? But, you know, we're only two events in. It's quite interesting. I think if you don't compare the events and just, you know, like it just seems like one's going like almost pure entertainment and the other is, you know, is more of the traditional solid side of golf. If you're going to watch both the different tours, have different expectations out of both, and I think you can you can probably enjoy both. But mm. as you were saying earlier, Nigel, it does seem to be polarizing. People are kind of taking sides as to which. Yeah, I mean, I've, I looked in. through Twitter and, and 
and see the comments are starting to get a little bit new on personal. Twitter. Like yeah, new game. on Twitter. I'm all over it. <laughs> but but you know, the, it's it's actually a bit of a shame. I thought the live talk coming along would be good because it would stir things up a little bit. You know, I do look at the way the cricket was. You know, five day test matches are just way too long, way too boring. Live have come along, but. I don't think 54 holes is big enough radical change from it. You know, it's from you know 72 to 54 is not that. You still got to have three days to tune in and watch what's going on. So I can see that they're trying to go at another angle, which is also make it more entertaining, more engaging with the fans and stuff. But I think if they actually got the game a bit more radically changed, I think there's more potential there. But you know, the field was probably the best field out there to you know this this weekend and. You know, I was even on YouTube trying to work out how do you tune in to, to the live tour. <laughs> I think with them... Um, still getting used to their graphics to work out what's good and bad, but yeah. I agree with... Um, it's not radical in regards to days, you know, four days down to three. But if you think, bearing in mind now, it's a shotgun start, that's a lot less time at course for a spectator. I mean, you think if you wanted to go and go to the Open Championship on a Thursday to Friday... And you want to go out at seven fifty four because Rory's playing, but you got to hang around until ten past two because you want to see Tiger's group. I mean, that's a that's twelve hours of course, isn't it? I mean, and is it a bit more like like we get in football so so forth? You know, you, you can kind of have a bit of a build up in the morning. I know in in, a, in the states, tailgating is yeah, quite a big thing, isn't it? You know, you go and you they all get their trucks and whatever, and they you know had the barbecues, have a few beers beforehand, which is maybe why it was a bit more rowdy. At the event, yeah. I know they have. I know they have stuff going on at the event, but it's kind of a different kind of very different theme to what we've seen in golf for yeah. for yeah, quite so, some time. So they're getting there earlier to beat the crowds, and then they're having to sort of sit around for two or three hours, drinking and eating and <laughs> being merry, I guess. And mm. yes, it, you know, I think it, it is appealing. I think uh, you know, it'd be great to go along to an event at some point and actually experience it because you don't know how much is, you know, on the cameras, yeah, just what's going on. I think I think the uh, and the team element. That is the kind of radical change which could be utilised really well. Not quite got it right it, yet. It doesn't come across in the commentary that much, does it? You only sort of get a roundup at the end. And yeah, and there's not, there's almost not quite enough. Um, you almost want that. It needs to be the same teams every single week, doesn't it? Like, and it needs to, like you need to build up some of the dramas in in there. And James made a good point last week about they're not playing together. Like maybe in the first round or first two rounds, if they played together, yeah, and it would kind of. Well, it'd be more like right a club, you know, they'd be doing a bit high fives and, you know, like exactly. you say, that, you know, yeah. and that helps the crowd engage with it. And, yeah. I think and it's nice seeing the golfers being emotional, of course. I mean, we, tri- we traditionally see them walking around and it's just very dull. I think the one of the sad things, and Josh alluded to it, is the potential of this tour would mean that we've all changed. You always have bad as well as you do good. And one of the things that could come off the back of it is that the... Um, the intensity around the qualification process and then the Ryder Cup could suffer from this. So one thing they should really highlight from that is the team golf element because you can get a flavour of it eight times a year then. And I think actually if they played in the same groups for the first two days, um, you know, there would be a bit more of an auction process because the players would then be contributing to the managers and the franchise owners and be like, he's just not gelling with us. There's not the same chemistry. It's not working. You know, can we do trading and things like that? It would make it way more interactive for the fans that would pull on the other kind of American sports and what they, it feels like they're trying to do with the game. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. You can imagine just three putting the last and knowing that was it. You go sack him, you get rid of him right now. <laughs> take his wages, take his family, take all of his belongings. This geezer every time he's, he's gone. Chain him up against the wall and trade him right now. But it would it would actually be it would be genuinely quite fun to hear them play as a team in the first two rounds and then have them mic'd up and just yeah. hear the chit chat and see yeah. if who who likes to talk to the other players and get advice from who's like and have the because I remember being at the Ryder Cup um, back in um, ninety seven when Seve was captain and there was a few times and Seve was Valderrama yeah Valderrama and Seve was just everywhere like. I remember standing left for the eighteenth and we were like you you're trying so hard to get a good spot and we're down the left hand side. The pin was at the right, and we kind of my dad and I just got a really good spot on this. And then you know people try and push past, but you know you kind of holding strong because you like no, this is my spot here. And this yeah. guy like, remember this guy tapped my dad on the shoulder a couple of times, and, and my dad was like, I, I could see he's like no, you know almost going to elbow the guy out of the way. He looked round, <laughs> and it was Sevy walking through the uh, through the crowd from wow. another fairway because he had to get to Monty who was out on the. Out, it was like, oh, probably should let him go past. <laughs> 
Imagine just elbows him on the nose. <laughs> and, he, and he was in, and then on 17, he had gone across to Colin Montgomery to tell him how to play a wedge shot and, and, and this quite famous piece of video footage where Monty's just literally shooing him away, saying, just leave me alone, I've got this. And that would be quite, those would be small dynamics yeah. that we've not really got to experience in golf. I think that would be really, really but cool. I, but I think with the franchise stuff in, in the other sports, just to, just to elaborate on that, I think inter-team trading and things like that would be really cool. I think you could track all of that stuff. It would definitely help them bring a new community in, which is where I think they're, they're just struggling a little bit at the moment and the interactivity of that would then separate it so much from the other tours that you would then create your own you know your own piece around that and I think you're right when you do go to live events and you see team events and you've obviously played in all of them with England GB and I teams and stuff that stuff if you can romance that in golf like there'll, there'll be a real USP there yeah that'd be pretty cool maybe these are sort of things we can take to the PGA Tour and get them fired up, you know, because I, I just feel like the PJ Tour have an opportunity here, don't they, to really, they've done a pretty good job so far of, with last week or so, there's a couple of things I don't agree with, but the bit I do agree with, they they kind of look to themselves and then try and improve themselves quite quickly. They've kind of, yes, there's been a, a real backs and forwards, but they've acted fairly quickly to, to appease the players they've got and try and t- to up their game. Yes, it's probably taken them a, quite a long time to get to that point, but now... They kind of kicked into gear. They were seeing some improvements. It'd people, be really interesting. People, to see people could go. argue though that they should have done that ages ago. You know, Liv's come along, and, and they've probably been in a quite a comfort zone. Yeah, you know, and they, and and it's, it's and, not overnight, is and it? it? And it's not. And, and you know, the play there are a lot of players. You know, mumbles in the background before that. You know, they weren't happy with certain aspects, and, and now all of a sudden they're on the back foot. And they obviously do see Liv as a big threat. And, and and so the, you know you find that it's just a, they're pushing things a lot harder, a lot quicker. You know the the, the partnership with the DP tour came straight out pretty quickly. Yeah. So um, if Keith Pelly or any of the other senior officials at the PJ tour are watching, you can get myself, Zane <laughs> or Nigel at info at beartiger.io and we'll be happy to apply for any jobs that you got going. Yeah, I'm, I'm still just sitting on the side of the traditional golf at the moment it is really nice to see something new and uh, you know enjoy the players that that have signed that have moved across you know I love watching obviously we all love watching DJ I watched DJ at the Open last year which we'll come and chat about in a bit but I thought he was a fantastic watch and now they've got Bryson and Paul Casey turned yeah um, that was a big big turn to the dark side that was quite a big one because he was originally not about the, the Saudi involvement yeah, he's got a, a lot of stick ago. online about that, didn't he? He's contradicting yeah. his previous but, comments but think, made in the past. I think with Liv, you know, if you look at the top 10 this week, Grace won. I mean, seven under final round was really impressive. Yeah. Carlos Ortiz straight in his yeah, first Yeah, I mean, we event. haven't even spoken about the results yet. Yeah. Brandon Grace won $6 million in two starts for six rounds of golf. A million dollars a round, that's pretty Which good, is, isn't it? He's made, what was it, 12.2 in his 182 starts prior to that. <laughs> yeah. PG really? Tour. Yeah. Uh, like, I mean, six <laughs> rounds later. That, what we alluded to on... On the last pod, that, that is exactly the point. Whether you've been given a, a massive kind of golden handcuff or a, or a signing on bonus, that right there is you just alluded to. That shows what difference it can make to to someone, you know. And going out and winning and earning that cash is great, right? Because he was a part of Schwartzel's team that won at Centurion, wasn't he? Mm. And I don't think I think it was actually DJ's team who just pipped them because Patrick Reed had a really good final round, right? So I'll do the results quickly for you. So. Grace won 13 under, Ortiz 11 under in his maiden start, Johnson and Reed both third at nine under, Oosterhausen seven under, Kazuma six under, Taylor Gooch I think in his first start four under, Matt Wolf three under in his first start, then Justin Harding, Bryson, Deshambo finished the top 10 at, um, at two under. So, I mean, a really impressive top 10 really. A lot of, I mean, lion's share of those guys, all top 50 players in the world. So, But what I would say though is, you know, impressive lineup, but the, the, the shot difference is huge, you know, and, and maybe that's a problem with having only 48 people playing, you know, yeah, you, that, that you is could one end issue. up with tournaments with where the, the winners decided after, you know, certainly two rounds, maybe even, you know, one and a half. And there's such a gap that, you know, you it needs to be a bit more competent. You know, you want, you want that going down to the last shot, you know, they will be playing on different holes, playing completely different shots. Well, 11 and, and shots it, separated the winner in 10th. On Live Tour, yeah, and seven shots separated the winner in tenth on the PGA Tour. Yeah, it does. It does drop off a one bit extra quickly, one extra it? round as well, right? Yeah. So I think there will be a there will be a point. Uh, you're right, Nigel. It will get pretty flat because someone will. There'll be such big gaps because people, someone, there's not enough players to to catch up because that is the exciting part that we see about the PGA Tour is like. Like yes, I, well, I love to see Tiger or someone dominate who's a, a big player dominating, but then around that. 
you do see that it's so stacked. And we had a, an event last week where we just thought there was like there's ten players that yeah. could win this. Twenty players start the day think like, all these guys could come through. And that, if we're being really honest, is what pushes the best golf because everyone has to be on the front foot and they've got to keep going. That's what makes it exciting. When you when you get to a point where someone can just cruise around and they know they're going to pick up a big check, that's not really pushing them. I don't know if that's good. If we're being really honest, I don't think that's good for golf. That's not how to get the best out of the best the best players. Like it's still not quite. And I think um, you know that after the first round, right? Don't you? I mean, straight away, if you've on in in that format with that size of field, you know if you're in the running for the big cash after day one. Hence the reason I think it'd be so much better if they played in their teams, because like the mindset might just be in a slightly different space, like team prize cash, and you know, because it almost becomes a bettable format, doesn't it? In the um, team two of four and things like that the best two players yeah, I've not even got into the team, the team side of it I'm just trying to take in all the other stuff that's going on <laughs> yeah. it's, just, it's just carnage isn't it it's complete carnage they don't want you to commentate on it so you just focus You're on right. where, uh, where yeah. DP and European ladies that dark side. Euro Pro Yet. challenge tour yeah so um, so there we go I mean there's this is a conversation we'll keep having with the about mm. the live there's so much to be said it's evolving I think yeah to round up this was a better event than the one in London definitely yeah a bit further in and we'll see how that what's most interesting for me next is not their next event actually how all those players are received at the Open yeah that, I mean, that yeah again it was, we kind of we were chatting early before we started recording a little bit about how Justin Thomas went online or went on a podcast talking about someone mentioned to him that now that some players have sued the tour that he's now taking it more personally than he was because he feels like I'm the tour and now, now my friends are suing me that's very very different and I think that's that's where you, it may get a little bit fractious at these events. Mm. You know, I think some of the players, like Harrington, he came out and said in an interview, he had nothing against any of the players that have gone out and have decided to move across. He says, and he said, they're my friends. You know, that's just their decision, and they know what they knew what was coming, and so forth. So, how long before he moves over? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, he could go. Yeah, when they do the senior, live, the sliv tour. <laughs> No, but it, you're right. I, you know, that's one thing that's annoying me about it is is, is getting more hostile now. You can, and, the, and the media's pushing that, you know. I think yeah. press are taking their side and they're getting more polarised by that. Yeah. And then I think, you, you know, the news organisations are, are taking a position and they're pushing that. And it's just slowly getting more and more ugly and it's getting more personal now. I don't, I don't understand that with Justin Thomas. If you're offending the PGA Tour, you're offending me, I am the tour. I mean... As in like, so, so the, they're saying that they've obviously sued the PGA Tour and uh, the way that it is um, put across to them is that they are, the players are the tour because it's, it's supposed to be a player's tour. We kind of, it doesn't seem that way sometimes. It seems like the players kind of benefit from the organisation and kind of play for the tour. But essentially the PGA Tour in its, in its you know, wording is that it is owned by the players. Which is where some of the issues have come up because some of the players are owned by us, but there's you know there's money in the background that we're not getting to, to get into, which is kind of where a lot of these gripes started out with, and and and, fit, and that's the stance that Phil took early on. Uh, but I don't know if we should go down that route. We could be here for about another three hours. <laughs> it could have get a bit messy. <laughs> What's next on the list then? What are we going to talk about? So that's gonna well that leads us in quite nicely. Let's chat about the Open Championship. It's coming up. We're gonna we've got a few a few little points to go into. So we have got. Are the players going to be at each other? You know, it could yeah. it could be, create a little bit more needle. But in more um, recent news, Mark Mark Raves, who's on our podcast last week, part of that our Bear Tiger team, he's caddying for someone at the JP McManus Pro Am in Ireland, who is playing alongside Tiger, which is pretty uh, pretty impressive and pretty exciting for him. So it'd be interesting to get his take on that and see where Tiger's game is. What are we thinking about Tiger's chances? at the 150th Open Championship at St Andrews? Well, it's a lot flatter. It'll get around a lot easier. He can. I thought that what let him down at the last two major championships was he just didn't quite have it on a string like he did at Augusta off the tee, and it's wider, so he can hit the ball a little bit wider. His iron game still looks there, still looks pretty good with the putter. Uh, he loves St Andrews. Uh, it's his favourite course, as per his sort of uh, best course to play on interviews. And he is someone who, who seems to fall into these golf romantic moments, the 150th Open, St Andrews, like his comeback is coming. It's The weather looks pretty pure. Um, he's over here well in enough time to acclimatise, isn't he? It's 
Tiger Woods. So he's, he's all time for two seventy eights and a missed cut. Then <laughs> off the back of that, <laughs> I don't think he'll miss the cut. I don't. I mean, you and I had the the luck of watching his first round at Augusta, and from watching him from go from uh, practice ground onto a golf course yeah. that just looked so unforgiving was quite mental. How he shot under par, wasn't it? Really, it was. And he didn't look like he could walk properly, obviously on the range, and then and that course is up and down. Yeah, um, and then to go and make two cuts at the at the next major championship, obviously he's playing the PGA. It's just, I don't know. I mean, you probably can quote better because you've, you've played through injuries and, and you know him. Like He can obviously dig out a standard of golf that's still competitive at the top level. Whether he can win is another thing. Yeah, and I think he's only really interested, well, I don't think he, he's only interested in winning. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which is why he didn't go to the PGA or the US Open because he just kind of knew that I'm not going to be ready for that. So he's given himself a bit of time and... Yeah, he he knows he knows the way around St Andrews better than anybody, but still, it's still will he make it physically? That's what we don't know right now. But game wise, normally you would say anybody who's not played competed very much would have absolutely no chance. But he's probably the only person in the world in the world of golf who he can like. Whenever there's a rule, he's able to like yeah. break that, and that doesn't almost the rules don't apply to him in that manner. You know, we're gonna I'm I'm enjoying talking him up and hoping that he will. Mm. 100% be in the mix. I don't think there's anybody playing really, really well at the moment. I know Scotty Sheffield's world number one and mm. he's, you know, he's putting some, and he's there or thereabouts most weeks. But I think with the distractions going on, some of the other marquee players are not quite on their game. And there's no one for me. People keep saying, oh, who, who do you reckon for the Open this year? And it's mm. just like, I'm trying to pick from players who are actually slightly out of form, hoping they're going to come into form. There's nobody Adrian Moronk. <laughs> Adrian Moronk. Are you going with that? Is that no, your... I'm not. No, I'm not. No, well, what about Fitzpatrick? You don't think, you know, his form the last few... Yeah, I mean, where he, he won, he's he, got a great chance. He's, he's, probably, he's probably the one, I suppose. Um, and I was I was on the on the uh, commentary with James Gregg, who's his best mate, and he played with him at Lindrick uh, this week. On the, he's come home for a week and he said he's just hitting it so far. He said he was just absolutely crushing it, like mm. driving par four greens, and he's in he's in around the mid one eighties in ball speed, which is just where's that come from? Well, you said they said last week he'd been working on that, didn't you? Yeah, he's just he's, he's found just twenty miles really, an hour. He's, yeah, literally twenty miles per hour. He's gotten so strong, uh, but I think he's really he's really based all of his training and technique. We saw videos of him this week with his shirt off and all the dots on him in, in a in a squash court somewhere, just ripping looking, balls looking into like a Putin, net. Was he <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, just doing the, whole, doing the whole kind of Bryson thing and. Um, yeah, he just said uh, James has gone here. <laughs> maybe it's the 99 flake. <laughs> 99 yeah. flake. Or maybe it's just been on the ice creams, yeah. Just Lavering all over yourself. James did more hand movements, <laughs> pretending to... And your dog lick it off. To, to, oh, dear. <laughs> to put ice cream all over his chest and leave that on for another um, time. No, but like, so but so he's obviously gone into a, a really, really, really extensive training programme because he's hitting it straight as well, isn't he? Yeah, I mean, so he uses... He's obviously started training with his... Uh, in the gym bulking up a touch not massively and then he uses this thing called a stack system which is like a speed stick with like a yellow like kind of box on the end uh, and it links up to an app and you put your radar down and it tracks how fast it moves and, and there's a whole process as like a foundation level intermediate right. advanced so it's all tracked and there's funky graphs and you can track your progress and you just like, like level up basically so his mate james who's a is a good golfer i think he's around about a scratch uh, who grew up with playing golf, he started doing it and he's put on, he's in the foundation part of it and he's done 12 weeks and he's gone up 11 miles per hour. Wow. And it's like a part of an 18 week, uh, I think it's an 18 week process. So that's, so so there we kind of got, you know, very good amateur golfer and then you've got top tour pro and it's worked, obviously worked for both of them, mm. both put on 10 miles per hour. So, so then I did actually go online and have a look for one, but uh, the now sold out to October. <sighs> so I'm going to have to hit it short for another few months. Yeah, if you can get us can one, that'd be great. Grab one of those. But yeah, I mean... He's got a good chance, though. Yeah, I think you're right there, Nigel. I think probably Fitz is probably the most informed player. I think Rory has been in, informed for a long time, and I think he's probably like... I don't... I'm not looked, but I imagine he's probably close to being one of the bookies' favourites. Yeah, yeah only, he will be. He's taken a couple of weeks off as well. I only think sometimes it, he builds it up a lot, like when the Open was at... And he wants to win the Open so badly mm. that it doesn't quite work out for him. But maybe he's learned from those other times because... He did well at St Andrews. So when he first turned pro, I, it was in 2007, and I had a really good, I had a really good run going that year. I had a few invites, and uh, the tour had called me and said, "Oh right, at the uh, Volvo Masters, which is the end of um, season event, we do our uh, awards." 
So like, yeah, yeah, you're up on the putting stats, so you got a chance of that, and also rookie of the year. So I was like, oh, lovely. I'm gonna, what a lovely year this has been. I had no card. I'm gonna get my tour card. I got some money in the bank. I'm gonna get some awards, and then little Irish fella turned pro, <laughs> made the cut of the Belfry, <laughs> and then rocks up to St Andrews next week and finishes like second or third, and just completely blew me out of the water in about two weeks. And you know, our careers have taken slightly different paths since then. So he loves St Andrews. He's yeah. you know he's played some really great golf there. Yeah, you know, I would love to see him uh, win there. You know, hits it long, hits it high, so he can get to the his tricky favorite. pins. Yeah, his favourite is he? Yeah, is he favourite? He's not. He's not odds on, but um, Rory's favourite, Scheffler second favourite, Ram Thomas, Spieth, Monacawa, Fitzpatrick, Lowry, Cam Smith, Shuffley, Zalatoris, DJ Hovland, Cantley uh, make up them. Then the bar. Rory's eight to one. Uh, Scheffler twelves. Ram 12, Thomas well, he, 14. He grew up playing Lynx golf as well. He's... Port Rush. Yeah. Yeah. I like Rory. I actually think if I was thinking about a player who... Tiger was so good round there and he looks like he's threatened to come back into form a little bit. Uh, and I was so impressed with him at RSG was, was Morikawa. Probably one of the purest iron players out there. I don't think you have to be long, long, long at St Andrews. I mean... No. So... You don't have to be, but... It's got to be an advantage. Like I, like you know, there's that little that, that those few holes around the turn mm. that you can get at, and you can drive those greens. You know, depending on the wind. Yeah, but if you're short, you you've got like a fifty yard pitch. If you if you if, if your wedge game's hot, you'll still make birdie. I was thinking. Uh, I was thinking about we we'll do our we we'll do our top three picks uh, yeah. in a second. But I was thinking about Deshambo. So he's he, again. He's coming back from injury. But there's a run there where he can get, I mean, he can get miles down two, yeah. depending on the wind. But he can get miles down two and literally be chipping onto the green. Same on three. He can just, it's so wide, he can just hone it way down there. Yeah. Then he's got five, which actually probably tightens up a little bit into where he would he would be hitting it. Then you've got six, seven. I can seven in a favourable wind. He could probably get close to, which I've never, I've never seen anyone else do it, but he can get right up mm. by that green. Then you've got, like, you've got nine, ten, both drivable, 12 drivable. 14, the par five. I mean, there's just so many holes which are wide open. And then obviously 18, He's it, it, even if it's 18. into the wind, he can get there, yeah. which is that, that is always, if it's a bit downwind, the whole field can get there. But if it's into the wind, he can get there, which is a big advantage. I just think that the, there's something in it for him. And also last year at St. George's, he was kind of in that time of playing well and hitting it miles. And it was really evident that his wedge play wasn't up to spec. And with all the chat going on and he was moaning about, you know, drivers and not always saying the right thing he did actually come out and say my wedge game has got to be better and he's been working on it and just following him on his social medias recently you can tell that he's putting a lot of work in on his wedge play and I wonder whether that's partly because of injury because his hand's still healing and also because um because of his experience last year at the open championship yeah. so I think I think actually thinking about it there's such a solid argument for Rory I mean Bryson just rips it but Rory's by no means short. I mean, he'd be up there next in the next group, wouldn't he, uh, for longest on there. And he has got this ability beyond other people to orbit irons and he can apex them higher than anyone. And if we get the weather like this for another week in Scotland, they'll make it so benign and hard to try and protect the course. He's going to have that kind of extra attribute in his locker where he can apex it like 150, 160 of irons. It's just whether his putter's going to work, right? Because I think that's probably the real protection at St Andrews with the undulations of the greens, how not so much deep they are, but they're so wide. Yeah, so someone's going to have to putt really well, aren't they, to, to lift the jug. Rory's had a, you know, a couple of brilliant rounds in the last few competitions he's played in, but then he's had a couple of howlers. And if he you look, starts slow. If you look at what causes his problem, it's his, it was his driver, wasn't it? Mm. I don't think you're going to get penalised as much at St Andrews off the tee if you're doing those kind of drives. You know, it'll be dry, so the rough won't be that bad. Yeah, there's not really any rough to speak well, of. There is a, yeah. so, take a certain strategy. So he can just bomb it off the tee and he's probably got a shot in without too much trouble. And he'll be used to playing those types of shots. So I oh, think the, yeah, Rory, the, uh, yeah. Rory's sort of Achilles heel is when he's, you know, he's off the tee, he's not too strong and then he suffers. I think he's got a good, you know, a good chance. It's not, I'm not surprised his favourite. I would have thought Fitzpatrick would be up there a bit he more. He is, yeah, yeah. Um, where, where is Fitzpatrick? What's about the, seventh, I think. If you, yeah, uh, 16 to one. So you get better odds than Betfair. Not that I'm plugging. <laughs> <laughs> Not financial advice. 24, um, 24 to 1 there. But then coming back to that, if it's really firm, there'll be a lot of wedges in from circa sort of 150 and in. 
and I've got to stay consistent with this because I always say it to you, out of the top players in the world, I think DJ is the best wedge player out of them. So I think with that being said, he'd have a really good chance. Okay, so let's do our let's do our top three, shall we? Mm. Who wants to go? Who wants to go first? No, do you wanna have you got a top three? Is it in, in order in or order, no particular I, order? I would just, probably just, go just Fitzpatrick as my first bet, and then I definitely think Rory's gonna be there and boringly Schiffler, I think. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm just sticking with it. You can't come with the real dark horses there. I <laughs> haven't got any any outsiders. DJ's nah. a bit of a, a shout though. They get some good odds on him, I would have thought. He might be fishing instead, won't he? <laughs> Good fishing in Scotland. DJ can just aim out the left into the middle of the golf course and just cut it back so obviously he can hit it way left. At he hopes you get it some morning tea time on Thursdays and go and catch the Loch Ness Monster on <laughs> in the afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> right, Zed, you go, because I'm going to try and... Like, just you're, scrolling. Going, you're going for a long outsider, okay. there, aren't you, James? Well, I'm going to try and find one outsider just oh, for all I of I thought our... you were Mystic Meg last week. Now exactly. you got well, just for, for um, nostalgic purposes, I'm going to chuck Tiger in there. Nice. Just because I, I probably want that more than the likelihood of that happening. But I just feel like if anyone could ever do it and to add somehow add to this amazing almost movie of the life of a sports person, every time he, he seems to come to a point where people think he can't do it, he does it. So I'm going to say Tiger on that. Then... I think Bryson, just for the reasons I said, I think you haven't got to be straight off the tee. There's a bunch of holes, which I think there's going to be one or two holes where he can actually take it on, which other players can't. He can reach 18 in almost any weather. 17, for instance, gets gets wider the further you hit it. Uh, and he's been working hard on his wedges. That's my that's my second pick. And then on the third pick, I'm going to go with, I think, Xander Shoffley. Might be a shout. I think he's about to come back into form in the majors because he had a really good run early. He's putting pretty well and he's won twice this year. I know yeah. one of them was a pairs event, but the confidence is riding pretty high. So, yeah, I think it could be his time. There's something else I'm forgetting. You know, I was going to trade out Shoffle for, but yeah, well, I'm pretty happy with that. You've got a more like a your each way, one pound each way shout. One pound fish. Um, well, Woods is sixty-five to one. Oh, he's the outsider, really, isn't he? Yeah, okay. He is. He, Woods is kind of the. So each way back. I'm gonna try and chuck in a hundred to one shot just for the listeners. Left the one pound each way. I like Thomas Peters. I think he's been playing really, really well. I mentioned last week he's trending really in the right direction since an equipment change. He, he, he nukes it. His all-round game's been really, really in the right direction. He's been there or thereabouts every week. This sort of course setup will suit him. He's got pretty much all the shots in the bag and he's a solid putter. So for a, a hundred to one, he'd be where um, I'd be pointing Ivy in the direction for a quid each way. Um, 130 to one on Betfair. There you go. There you go. So yeah. in the three, I like Morikawa this week. I think he was really, really, really impressive at RSG. And I think so, a lot somebody of- sent me a video from his practice round that in JP McMahon's program, one of the guys I coached and he hits massive slice. Really? Off this tee, yeah, I did actually repost it. So I'm gonna... You waited until I picked him, you knew yeah, that was Yeah, I've been waiting for that one. <laughs> um, well, hopefully at the open, he does it <laughs> off one and uh, it doesn't go more than 89 yards, right? Um, yeah, I just I like Morikawa. I think his iron game will, will really put him in good stead around here. And uh, he seems to lift it in major championships. I think DJ will have a really, really good run. He's obviously coming back into form. Played really well this week in the live event. And that looks tight off the tee, so... He'll have a good chance. And my third pick would be Rory as well. Okay. Yeah. For all the reasons we spoke about. I'm just going to, I actually just remembered the person I was going to uh, say. So I'm going to actually remove Xander Shoffley. He's, he's been substituted out. I'm going to go with Victor Hovland. Nice. For a couple of reasons. So early in the year, we had to go on Sky and they had everyone come in. You had to kind of say on the camera, on the, on the TV, who you thought was going to win the majors. And he was like first out, first out for me. I thought this guy is odds on to, uh, to win a major. Reason being just because at St. Andrews is he's a fantastic driver of the ball, a fantastic Ireland player. He can, he can putt. He has, his Achilles heel is chipping, mm. but it is possible to get around St. Andrews and hit 68 greens out of the 72. Well, and also so putt big. a lot from the fringes, right? Yeah. It's not as big an issue for him. Not a great bunker player, but he could kind of ball strike his way around there yeah. and not have to have that Achilles heel. So I would quite like that. And also I'm hosting an event on the Tuesday <laughs> I knew uh, this for, for JL <laughs> with him and Robbie Williams. And I'm actually going to tell him, I'm going to tell him that he's, 
don't make me look bad here. I've, I've been out and he's he was my odds on for to win the majors this year. So I'm going to apply a little bit of pressure to him. He's going to carry that on the first. The first <laughs> Anyone else hot? Yeah. 90 yard food. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Thanks, Zane. Have you guys, so have you got, no, you would have played the old course at St. Yeah, Andrews. well, I played it once actually. How was your experience? Um, typical round for me. A lot of frustration around the greens, but yeah. <laughs> oh, I, did, I, I, I wayward drive on 18, it be, which it ended up in someone's car. Right. Come on, talk, talk us through that. What, come on, so you walked onto the tee. Where, where's the wind? The wind was slightly left to right, coming in from the sea. Slightly left to right. So, and yeah. are you on the uh, the back tee or the, or the up tee? Uh, uh, back tee, then, yeah. So, um, and where's your head at? Are you thinking I can get there? I can. Well, I'm a natural drawer, so okay. I'm getting excited because it's you know I haven't played that well, and it's always nice to finish with a smacking drive on 18. And so, are you thinking about getting onto the green? I'm thinking aggressive. Yeah, and just kept the weight back and it just faded right, right, right. Hit a couple of bed and breakfasts, bounced about, <laughs> set, settled on the tyre of someone's nice BMW. Well, it's quite interesting because I've seen people hit it out of bounds there and there is a moment you think, if it goes far right and hits the building, it could come back. It could come back. Was yeah. that in your head? Were well, you it thinking, was clanging around. Were you hoping? <laughs> All these poor little Japanese tourists ducking for shelter. <laughs> but, but I've got my Pro-V back, never lose a Pro-V. <laughs> It does amaze me that people park their cars down the right hand side of that 18th because it's kind of the, the, the right hand side is like the fast, the fast route. It's kind of where you want to go. I mean, there's so much space on the left there. So much space, it's isn't It's ridiculous. There? And you know, I'm, thinking, I'm thinking, great, I can really go at this. And if I pull it too much, I've got loads of landing area. Next thing I know, I'm watching this massive high fade <laughs> head for Doris's bed and breakfast. Nipping <laughs> uh, and get a bacon salad. <laughs> It is, it's, it's a fascinating, that, that part of the course, because there's parts of the course which you get out in the end, it all gets a bit quiet, doesn't it? You can't really see too much, but that, the first and the 18th, it's just an amazing scene. I mean, standing on the first tee, yeah. it's so wide, I think it's, it can be quite daunting, because you're just thinking, this is so wide, the only thing I can do here is completely fuck it up. Yeah. Like, the, that is it. <laughs> you can't really do anything wrong. Oh, we're going to try and make this podcast not an X-rated one. It is now, yeah. Well, well, we're talking about booming out of bounds and, and hitting golf balls as a Japanese tourist. <laughs> exactly. We took that turn. Putting an imprint in Doris's black pudding. Yeah, it was gone. Yeah, I mean, um, I've played there a few times and I was really fortunate to play there in the 2010 Open Championship. Had my dad, my dad caddy for me in the qualifying. The blade. Uh, the blade, the blade. So Wait, then I couldn't... You, where did you qualify? So I qualified up at St Andrews Bay, up okay. at the Fairmont. Yeah. Um, there was three spots, came second got in it was a couple of weeks before my dad had caddy for me and I just thought I can't not ask him to caddy for me in the actual tournament so <laughs> yeah so he was like no no you can get a professional caddy but I thought no no I've got to get him on the bag and um so we had the practice data all fine and uh got to the point where we got to the first tee and I remember just kind of seeing disappointment on my dad's face when cause my dad's really into his clothes he likes to like pick his outfit and dress really <laughs> sharp and you know had it all laid out he was gonna he was always gonna be the smartest looking Caddy. Best dressed caddy uh, at the Open Championship that year, and I remember the the, the starter giving him like this this like green caddy bib because he basically each player in the group one gets a yellow bib, one gets a red, one gets a green. That's right. And um, he got given the green one, and I remember just the look on his face because he'd obviously planned out his outfit. He had these like red trousers on it; it was all perfect, and he had to wear this like green bib. And he, I remember just looking at him, and I was like, "You look like a Christmas tree." <laughs> Or a traffic light. He was absolutely. <laughs> he was gutted. So then the rest of the week, he then he he would then speak. He would you could you could work out whoever was first on the t sheet first uh, one two three. That was the order in which the bibs came out. So he would look on the t sheet, work out what colour bib he was going to get, and then he would pick his outfit accordingly. So he, he bounced back for the next three days. He wasn't making that well, mistake. It was good that you made the cut. Yeah, it was it was good. Yeah, uh, yeah. But yeah, the point I was getting to was um, a bunch of my mates came up and they had these um, yellow t shirts made up. With like they grabbed a stupid, um, a stupid shot of my face off of some uh, Instagram post somewhere and had it printed with their nicknames on the back and, it, and had it printed on their on their top. So, so, so there's like ten of them. I've got ten friends, amazingly, and uh, they had these yellow t-shirts. And so we get on the first tee, and it was quite dry, so it was only like a three iron, uh, maybe maybe a two iron. And so I, I, I pegged the ball up, and it's a it's a it's a real moment getting on the first tee because up to that point you're kind of chilled out and it's fine. And then uh, you get on the first tee, you do your car, get your car, swap the cars with other players and get your club out, make sure everything's all set. And then when Ivor calls your name, all of a sudden, there's like a feeling that just comes over you and you just think, it's like top to bottom, you just go whoosh and you just 
you can't feel your body. Like you can't feel your arms, your legs, you're moving, but you're just thinking what's happening here. And you kind of like put the ball in the ground. So you know how you grip like the ball and the tee. And normally you, you put your thumb on top of the ball as you push the tee in and you're just thinking, I can't feel that tee going into the ground here. This is not nice. Then you kind of stand up and you do your couple of practice swings and you put the club behind the ball. And then, then there's that little moment of like, oh shit, that's a two iron. That looks really, really small right now <laughs> on the tight turf. And then you think, I should have teed it up a bit more. And then you think, no, forget about it. Everyone's watching. Just do a couple of waggles. And then you waggle with the club and then, and then you go in, who's moving that club? Is that me? And then, and then you just think, right, I just need to get moving here, get, get swinging. And then you start your swing and you just think, I still can't feel where that club is. Then as you start the downswing, you kind of think, I hope that club comes back down again. And then luckily enough, I did make contact and it went straight. But just before that, as I looked up before, just before I took my waggles, I remember looking up and then all my mates were in these bloody damn yellow t-shirts down the right-hand side, just walking down, just obviously out of bounds. And I remember just thinking to myself, just don't shank it into the boys, which is obviously a horrible thought to get on the first tee <laughs> and open championship. And then, but uh, but once you get away from there, it, it's fine. But it's just one of those t-shirts. It's so wide. You think the only thing I can do is completely mess up. There's that yeah. famous um, t-shirt of Ian Baker Finch where his hat came off and it, you know, hooks it and the ball just runs, runs and runs out of bounds. It's just <laughs> yeah, it's just it's a nightmare. I think um, on varying levels, right? It's just that first tee feeling. Everyone has it. Doesn't matter if you're playing in your club champs or your medal or your first junior open. I remember my first junior open I played in at Hano, and the lad I played with actually shat himself. And so, <laughs> um, but um, well, which, I, can, I can relate to it. But it's usually because I've got a hangover. But um, yeah, <laughs> you can't feel the ball. What shitting yourself? Where, or where's being where's my club? Oh, right. <laughs> Yeah, which, which ball am I aiming for? But, uh, that was brutal, actually. Um, bless him. But um, you've not played St Andrews, have you? No, I've been in the ballot, um, but didn't get pulled out. But I've played the Fairmont in the um, St Andrews Links Championship. Right. Um, St Andrews boys. Yeah. You don't actually get to play the old course. Yeah. Um, which is pretty tough. But um, seventy-two hours, seventy-two holes around, just looking. I wonder what that's like. Yeah. The um, good one over there. Yeah. So, but um, no, I've not played it. It's definitely on the bucket list. No, so I've actually uh, been able to snag a tea time on the Monday. Afternoon, right off the open. <laughs> which, I, to be fair, I'll probably be sick of it by then after walking two I rounds. You a day said you could do the podcast because you were working. Yeah, yeah. working. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> working on my eighteen holes around St Andrews. Yeah, just got busted there. That's fine. Uh, <laughs> say hi. Say hi. Say hi to Doris for me. <laughs> <laughs> so Black pudding's so, really good. So how did how did you score in, when you played? Um, so I uh, made the cut. I um, I think I was I was around par, maybe a couple under. It was made the cut relatively comfortably in the end. Uh, I played one of my best shots I've ever played on the 17th over the over the oh, really? road hole bunker. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I hit left in the worst spot on the downslope on the tight lie. Pin was tight just over the bunker. And there was the um, the grandstand is obviously the other side of the wall. So I'm looking straight at the grandstand. I had my stats guy there who had had a kind see, of a... see a bunch of yellow t-shirts all the way. A bunch of yellow t-shirts. <laughs> Uh, which is which is fine, but I had my stats guy there who had a slight fallout of it with early in the week because he thought I should put a sixty degree wedge in, but I was adamant I didn't need a sixty degree round St Andrews. I had a fifty six degree, and then obviously I had this shot which was needed a sixty degree wedge to get it up over the bunker, and I could see him sat in the stands right behind where I was looking, and I played the best shot I've ever played. Kind of opened it up and got a nippy strike. You know when it comes out low and Spin. you can just, it almost looks like the ball's slowing down as it's going through the air. And it, it took one hop and just like just stopped dead to like three feet. And there was a big rapturous applause behind uh, on the other side. And I was like, I remember thinking, I have that, you know, you should, I, should, I should have used a 60 degree. And then uh, walked around there and then missed the putt. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> so didn't we get to finish it off, which was a very disappointing. This bag of lemons so, behind you all went, oh no. <laughs> so, suddenly he had eight friends. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> two lemons fell off the tree yeah so that wasn't so good but yeah and then um yeah made the cut and then got to play with steve stricker in the last round who was a, a gentleman he was he was really really nice guy he'd won the john deere classic the week before buying the rounds uh, yeah it was buying the rounds oh, tractor he was uh yeah and it was interesting because he's a quite he's a good putter and you know putter's been the best part of my game so a couple of the boys are like, oh this would be great to watch you too like you know whatever it was and um and we've pretty much both played great and missed everything all day, <laughs> uh, which is, you know, again, disappointing. But I, there was a few holes around the turn where I hit it just inside him. So I would, he would hit it to the 15 feet, I'd hit it 10 feet. And he would like putt up and he'd kind of been asking me about my story at the time I was playing a bit of challenge tour. And he, so, and he kind of, 
you know, empathise with that. It was quite, it wasn't necessarily a big deal for him not being in contention, but it was a big deal for me. Yeah. Uh, and he was, you know, he was just really interested in what I was getting up to. So every time, as he walked past me, he'd go to be, he would just say, like, just whisper, like, knock it in, Zane, like, because he was rooting for me, which was really nice. But every time he said that, I missed a putt. <laughs> Towards the end, I would be like, don't say it, don't say it, don't say it. Oh, he said it. You think you think he's being nice, but that's a, that's a common tactic, isn't it? That's yeah. a game, that's a mind game. Maybe, maybe that's what it was, but yeah, he he was really cool actually, and it was interesting. He didn't just didn't seem like an amazing player, as good as he was. I think at the time he was number four in the world, but you know he just hit this like little draw, went like two seventy five, two eighty, hits his six iron from like one seventy, kind of taps it down there, but he just. I mean, and my dad's a you know my dad's a, a nine ten handicap, and he was saying this. He doesn't seem that doesn't seem that amazing this guy doesn't seem that good but the amazing thing was he just he just knew what he did you can tell that he was really comfortable in his own skin and he just didn't really didn't make bad decisions yeah he just made good decisions all day long. interestingly enough steve stricker um, as long as i've watched golf has used a white hot two and never changed his putting grip and never really changed his putter mm. and we spoke about your putting in podcast one about you never change having a grip change and you've grip, been a yeah. very good putter and Maybe there's something about the repetitiveness of putting there that um, sort of uh, bears fruit. Yeah, as long as Steve and I don't play together, <laughs> yeah. we'll, putt, we'll putt quite well. But yeah, it's going to be like a fascinating week. You know, the 150 of Open at St Andrews, I'm absolutely buzzing to be up there for the week and mm. get to see it. I really, really hope that the weather hangs on for us. Looking forward to it. I'm coming up. Yeah, what day are you coming up? Uh, I'm going to probably do like middle to the back end of the week. We've got What's in the Bag with uh, Mr Willett. Exciting, isn't it? of his new bear tiger tour bag drop that so, one in there drop it in there yeah and then we've got a few bits and uh no doubt i'll um be your groupie and run you around with diet cokes and 99 flakes whilst you're doing all your course commentary we're trying to hit it further all those ice creams changes yeah. <laughs> them all over yourself me through Nigel, are you going to make an appearance up there have you got time or are you going I to be at home watching it uh no i haven't planned to go up but you never know Check the diary. I only plan a week ahead, so we've still yeah. got plenty of time. <laughs> Maybe the Scottish Open, that's a renaissance, isn't it? Yeah, that'd be good. Could all change, yeah. And it's got a good field, I think. Mm. Really strong, strong field. field. Really strong field. That's going to be exciting. But, but, but again, I think off the back, that's because some of these guys want to come and play some Lynx golf before the, the Open, and then you've got the Irish Open playing inland course. Oh, this is this yeah. could uh, this could you kick know, us under heads, gone because I think this is a con- candidate. Yeah, maybe this would take us in, right? So we've got a, a section of our show it comes towards the end of this chat. Is the uh, the section called heads gone? Heads gone, which can be anything personal to you during the week, or yeah. it can be something you've seen. Someone's had a meltdown, or someone's you know lost it on on camera or on course. What's uh, have you guys got any heads gone for us? Uh, Nigel, maybe my is, head's is gone the is the one? engineer at Kingswood Surrey who thinks he's sensible to cut through all the fucking internet lines whilst he's pulling the road up so my internet speed at the moment's probably about as competitive as a mouse in a wheel on uh, the old uh, dial-up nudge we've got we've got one meg down nothing up so uh, the guys waiting for this podcast is probably going to come out in september 23 by the time uh, it's so a quicker than last week's then yeah. <laughs> <laughs> go on Nigel. what's your head's gone this week i haven't listen i i had a little Bitch and moan about the Irish Open. I, I, you know, I, I'm watching the Irish Open, and I think Shane Lowry is the highest level, you know, highest ranked golfer in the tournament, and scraped through the cut. We got, I think he got four birdies in the last four holes just to make the cut, which was, which was actually quite exciting. It's quite good, and he, and he's right in there with the crowd, and it's had a really good boy. weekend as well. Very, very good. But, but then you're seeing clips of like, you know, Spieths playing La Hinch around around the corner, you know, and Justin Thomas and Fowler, they're all there playing Lynx golf courses. And I think it's, they, they obviously, you know, they, they're getting, you know, and Rory, I said, he's took two weeks off. He's obviously playing at JP, I think, isn't he? Yeah. Um, and he actually said in his quote, I'm going to take some time off and go and get some Lynx golf in. So I think the Irish Open's maybe not helping itself by hosting on inland courses when, you know, we've got the best golfers in the world coming over to this part of the world to get ready to play the Open, which is Lynx golf. And then the Scottish Open's doing the right thing. They're the week before, and they, they, they tee it up with Lynx Golf. And, you know, the Irish Open last last two years been Mount Juliet, and then the year before that it was inland. And then, and then the K-Club's got it, I think, 23, 25, and 27. So, you know, I'm, that debate's not a new one. It's been around. as People have made that, that comment before. But I just think, you know, it's just crazy when they've got the opportunity to get... And the, and the prize money's good. Mm. I think it's something like five or six million... Yeah, yeah, we've got a million euros this week. So, you know, it's not small money. Um, it's not sanctioned, I believe, 
which I don't, don't know if it makes a massive D- difference. DP only, isn't it? Yeah. But uh, it's a shame. And anyway, listen, what do I know? 12.2 handicapper. <laughs> but, got, but got a microphone. Yeah. <laughs> and a goat. Well, there was, there was some clips, wasn't there, online with Spieth playing with goats. Yeah. <laughs> That's what, just down at the hinge with a couple of goats munching next to my ball. I think you do- doubled your following with that tweet. <laughs> yeah, that, was, that was a good one, wasn't it? That? Yeah. Where my goats at? Yeah, my, my head's gone is... Uh, James and I played with my mate Zaid at, at Wizzy this week and we had like a bit of a front back and match and uh, Zaid cleaned us out front back and match and he didn't, he, he played okay but we completely gave it to him. That is my bit of head's gone, just couldn't get it going. The good, the upside being that that is a 75 that's gone into my EG handicap so <laughs> I work my handicap back up a little bit to can be competitive with the boys. But yeah, that was a frustrating day. Out Started with double, didn't you? That was good after ripping, yeah, ripping a drive. Best drives I hit on the on Garden One. Yeah, probably have ever hit. Had the eight iron in water, then spun it back off the green to the water, and then didn't chip and putt. Like such a nice day, you know, with my friends. You know, the sun's out. Good drive off the first. Then within, you know, within ten minutes, just in a strop, walk into the second tee. Golf just just does you like that, doesn't it? I peaked on the first hole. Made a nice birdie. Lovely got up, birdie. Got up and down from eighty yards, and then the rest of it went downhill. <laughs> so what hole were you hunching at? That old famous slate hunch. I hate uh, this game. The slate, the slate half. <laughs> I mean, if you had a swear box on the golf course after. <laughs> yeah. No, I parred the second. We'd be millionaires, Rodney. I parred, the, I parred the second. We had a really awkward wind on three. It was just going round and round and round and round. And the third hole on Garden's a tough par three. It's got false front, water at the front. It goes all the way around the left and... Yeah, I just, I just didn't have. I just didn't early, have a shot. early, basically. Yeah. <laughs> it was a long day. It was in the first hour. Yeah. Yeah. That's when you know you get off the course. You, have, you don't know anything about. It. You have no conversation with them because he's just huffing in the rough somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> Bloody lie! <laughs> Everything goes wrong. It's like the end of the world. Oh, yeah. well, he bounces back pretty quick though. It doesn't it? Doesn't last too long. Yeah, he's, next day, he's, he's I really back. enjoyed handing sixty quid for the first This this overly competitive dentist that just didn't miss a beat. And it's no. like, oh, was was down to four. Yeah, and... But he did finish up because he gave him a charger for his car. Yeah. Which you didn't have, so you probably which is really should, good. Because I just plugged it in, I got thirty miles out of it for the last fourteen hours. So um, <laughs> we're going to put all the iPhone chargers into the car and just pray that some electricity goes into it. You're definitely yeah. becoming more optimistic with life, aren't you? Exactly, <laughs> optimism is high. Uh, Zed, Glass just before we ball. before we cut though, one thing we didn't do is I want to give the guys a your Zane's pick for the Scottish Open. Who are you picking this week? I don't even know who's playing. <laughs> I'm gonna. I'm joking. Um, I'm gonna say. Matt Fitzpatrick, just on the back of uh, chatting to James Gregg, my co-host at Discovery, who's his mm. best mate, and he obviously says he's in, a, he's in a really good place. He's going to be a, a little bit busy. Um, he's, been, or he's been very busy since winning that US Open Championship, but he just said he's hitting the ball so far. Renaissance is not that tight, and I think he's going to be on an absolute cloud nine. The downside will be if he's been pulled pillar to post, which he's maybe not quite used to, and now he's taken himself up to a new level. It's good for a squeeze fade as well, Renaissance. Yeah, I'm gonna maybe yeah, just coming back to Europe for the first time in a while. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with him. And it'd be a nightmare for Nige if he does win. And also, no one really goes and wins to Scottish. And so Callum Tarrant got an, he's he's gotten a start. He's gotten a late invite, not invite, but it got got into the Scottish Open, which he was excited about. So he'll be one to watch. Mm. How yeah. about you guys? I think Fitz is a good shout, actually. Uh, it does suit... Uh, I remember when Norrin won round there, it was like, it just suits someone who can just get it left of the post and just hit fades. And ask your own heart, fades. <laughs> well, I can hit a right... I, I can hit a right-handed fade. But, um, yeah, no, and uh, I, th- I think Fitzpatrick's really trending in the right direction. His game looks really, really money at the moment. But you can't have him. I've taken him. Well, I'm just going to agree with you. It doesn't happen very often. Nige, any any I wasn't picks? you've nicked him. He was my choice. <laughs> we are Team Fitzpatrick for okay. the Scottish. That's it. Let's, but, get, let's get some yellow shirts made up. Well, do we just all admit <laughs> do we just all admit we don't know who's playing? No. <laughs> no. It's a really good field that's got who's playing, I'm not too but, sure. But, but, so. It's a massive um, it's a massive prize fund, isn't it? It's a big prize yeah, fund. It's, it's a PJ it's Tour a, event, is isn't it? Six, seven? I think maybe even more than that. Actually, just just real quick, one of the things I think is kind of odd is that I think that the eight million dollars the Open Championship qualifying. So this week at the John Deere, weekend field, top three players, otherwise not exempt, of which after the cut, I think there was actually only two players who were actually exempt for the Open. So it was basically the top three from the John Deere got in. Yet 
that's not the same case as the Scottish Open, which is a week before on a Lynx course with a really good field. So is the Open getting the best field? I'm not sure. Like, yeah, good point. That could be. That could have been in the heads gone. Heads gone. On that one, yeah, I don't we, agree we, with that. We've been, we've been, we've hassled the Irish Open organisers. Now we're on to the Scottish ones. Yeah. <laughs> what can we? You could just dig everyone out. <laughs> so you got the Barbasol Championship as well the same week uh, in America, which is also is that a co-sanctioned? It's just a PJ Tour event. It's not. It's another PJ Tour event that they put on the same time as the Scottish, because obviously the Scottish has a lot of the players from the DP World, isn't it? But it's on, yeah, it's on the DP World's um, app though. Yeah, yeah. So there's that. Yeah, that kind of rounds it up for us. Oh, a quick shout out to Pavan Sagu, who won the Euro Pro this week with unbelievable rounds, finishing with a 62-63 finish. Oh, um, nice. Yeah. What did, he, a, what did he win it by then? He won, I don't actually know, yeah. uh, probably a few. Maybe Definitely, with 62-63. A few, yeah. There was, the scoring was quite good. I think he was 18 under in the end. Got to oh. quite a slow start. Yeah, he's a really good lad, Pav. He's been, he's been part of the academy on and off. I've given him a couple of lessons this year. I didn't teach him those bits. That was obviously all himself. Um, but yeah, hopefully he re kicks on from there. That was really, really impressive. But does he get anything with that? Is that that's not a, doesn't get him anywhere? No, that will get him. He'll be up up on the rankings, top yeah. five in the Euro Pro, get to the Challenge Tour and so yeah. forth. Um, sometimes there is like if you're up on the rankings, you get into another event. But essentially, it's just it's a win. It's Did a he win try and qualify for the Open? Twelve grand check. Um, I don't. I don't think so. I think he chose to go to the Euro Pro instead. Right. So fair play to him committing to that. And yeah, it's fantastic golf that is. I mean, to be on a third level tour shooting 62, 63s, you've got to think that there's more There's more to come from him at oh, other levels. That's great. He's a great player, Pav. Like really, really, really lovely demeanour as well. Works yeah. super hard. Always yeah. down the range late at night in the cold. How do you, you know that? Because well, I speak to him, so yes, he he's had his demons, isn't he? With a few I'm really injuries, cu- I'm really cold, James. It falls. <laughs> I know, but I mean, he's down. He's down like he's give you a cuddle. <laughs> he's down. I'm on my way. Wearing a bomber jacket with his hood up, so it didn't look hot. He's a he's a he's a good lad, isn't he? So um, he, he's had his um, had his demons with injuries and stuff as well, isn't he? So uh, yeah. good to see him bounce back and win. So hopefully, he can press on. So we've had some really good stuff in there this week. And um, the highlight this week has been Big Nige on Twitter. We've got his actual handle so people can follow it. it TBTC. At TBTC Big Nige. <laughs> the Bear Tiger Club. TBTC. Just the Bear Tiger yeah, Club. Yeah. There we go. Don't worry about that. We're just all about, we're just all pro Big Nige here. Yeah, we go. So thanks very much for joining this, guys. Um, I hope everyone enjoyed listening. And When are you going to get a bored ape, Nige? Uh, I don't know. When the price comes down. <laughs> It's on its way. If I get 100 followers. <laughs> oh, there we go. There we go. <laughs> plug that. That is it. That is it. Right. That's a 15 if, second plug. Yeah. If we can get TBTC Big Nige to 100 followers, he's going to buy a board ape, which is an NFT, which is for another podcast, which we'll get for into another at some day, point. for another time. That's a big commitment. Gonna yeah, ha- nice. I'm going to have to hire a tweet writer. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll give my mate Ricky Gervais a quick call. <laughs> I should get things going. Yeah. Cool. Cheers, Ed. Cheers, guys. Nice right. one. Cheers. Thanks, Ed. <laughs>